You're listening to another episode of The Zag. It's Eric Soap here. Thanks for joining us recording on a Friday with 2016 fellow Ishraq Ali, who's going to talk to us about all sorts of things, including his new job and uh, some other interesting topics. Thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Ishraq, where are you right now in uh, the city of Los Angeles? I'm currently in Koreatown, uh, hanging out in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Friday to you. Yeah. Uh, listen, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of go through some of your your job resume stuff. When I met you, were you still at Nation Builder in 2016 or had no, you left by then? I think I was at the Bike Coalition. No, I was by then? definitely at the Bike Coalition because I was consulting with Tamika about NLC. <laughs> so, Got it. Yeah. And then how long did you end up staying at the Bike Coalition? I was at the Bike Coalition from August 2015 right until March, April 2017. So just uh, spring this year. And then what was the most uh, interesting part of taking a job on like that? Because your, your background wasn't so much in bikes and mobility in general. So what was it like actually being there? Yeah, you know, it actually, uh, it's a funny story how I got on board with the Bike Coalition. So another NLC fellow who was a buddy of mine from Nation Builder, Juan Vasquez, he was the one that pointed out to me uh, that there was an opening at the coalition. And both of, he and I had ridden on occasion uh, throughout the city. So we were both kind of like uh, weekend riders. Uh, I when I actually checked in with LACBC, got to meet Tamika and she herself does not have a professional biking background. So that completely made it like uh, comfortable for me to come on board. And, you know, I wanted to lean into something that was new to me. I liked biking. I was getting, I was on the rough end of some like police stops as a cyclist in my own neighborhood. So I started thinking a bit deeply about, you know, uh, is biking, uh, it's more than just kind of riding out on the weekends. Is there like a transit or is there kind of like a law enforcement discrimination issue going on? So, you know, I leaned into that, uh, had a really interesting adventure for the last two years uh, before I jumped onto something that seems to be uh, suiting me a bit more uh, over at Empower Change. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about that in a little bit. You know, on this biking piece, have you been following any of the road diet adventures on the west side or in other parts <laughs> of the yes. Yeah, I have. It's been uh, disheartening. But I think, uh, you know, one, just talking about the West Side, how some lanes were uh, are going to be removed. And there was a lot of political pressure around Bonin, I believe, around it. So I've been watching this tangentially, partly just and you're out on the West Side uh, as well, right? You're like in Palms or that area. Yeah. So don't don't live too far from where all the the drama is happening. And you're right. Yeah, Bonin who's in his second term on the city council elected with like 71% of the vote is now facing a like significant recall effort and people are just flipping out because yeah, some traffic lanes disappeared and they're trying to make, it's like what a 0.8 mile stretch of Venice Boulevard, uh, a place where people don't get run over anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it's really hard to it's, watch. It's hard. And I think, you know, uh, coming into the coalition, recognizing that LA is a really hard city to build uh biking infrastructure in partly because of the culture uh, like the car culture here partly because it's a sprawling city with like kind of layers of uh political hoops that you'd have to work through and you know just literally contrasting this with new york city where i was at last week Mm -hmm. cyclists are going in and out everywhere on the grid in, in manhattan and there's bike infrastructure so it's just kind of a different culture of how pedestrians and cars uh, share public like uh, public roads versus here in LA where there seems to be like this cars king mentality which may have uh, racial and socioeconomic uh, kind of underpinnings to it too so 
So are there, are there any reasons for, for hope then? You know, I see, you know, like bike share places popping up, but then, you know, I'm at work right now in, in downtown and it's good that the bike shares are there, but you're taking your life in your hands trying to navigate downtown city streets. There isn't anything really protecting you from mm-hmm. buses, you know, picking people up or cars doing whatever. So do you have any, any sense of hope that there is a bike infrastructure future for LA that would be significant and meaningful? Uh, you know, I would, I'm cautiously optimistic. And I think one thing is like the reality is I'm going to be biking around to get around because it's always just easier via, uh, than in place of a car. Um, I think with these kind of setbacks that we see like on the West side, that's like one element of like what this biking like challenge was in LA. But this other piece of like, you know, the equity piece that we were pushing under uh, Timika's kind of uh, time there, that's always going to be the stronger narrative that's going to pull me in. Like, are we biking is just not something exclusive to bike lanes, but it's something bigger around uh, low income communities of color and access to different hubs. And I think that's how I've always related to it. And I feel like those are issues that are always going to be um, relevant in any city where there's a broader social justice kind of uh, movement happening. So do you feel like bike lanes, when they show up, they are a sign of gentrification coming through or what's your answer to a critique like that you know uh it's funny on the on the bike coalition side of things i was not uh doing the political work hands-on uh so i saw i mean there's definitely kind of this push that you know bike lanes uh, signify gentrification but it also could be if we're looking at it in another lens it actually means that you know we're thinking more carefully about what like multimodal use looks like in our kind of neighborhoods in our in our city so um i think the reaction on the west side and i haven't like really kind of dove into it i talked to like heron about it and she's no longer at the bike coalition uh either that's true uh but just kind of recognizing that you know there's kind of like some staunch like uh like stubborn elements that are not thinking uh holistically about the um you know what is like the what is the kind of future infrastructure and like environment look for our city and are there ways that we can be uh, like thinking big picture rather than kind of thinking of like our myopic kind of self-interest in the neighborhood. And then last question on the bikes, how feasible is it say in five years for electric bikes to be a real thing, you know, going maybe 10, 15 miles an hour. I feel like LA is poised for getting really excited about something like uh, that. Cause it feels Silicon beaches. Yeah. It feels kind of techie. That- and the weather here is always great. It shouldn't necessarily matter that you're you're outside on yeah, a bike. I think that'll actually be a price point thing because, uh, you know, I considered getting an electric bike just for uh, my wife because she's like, you know, riding in and around with me. I'm com- pretty comfortable going in and around the city, can do like basic climbs, etc. Uh, but electric bikes could be a cool thing. I don't know. I'm not, to my knowledge, I don't know uh, anywhere that's really kind of taken it on. I've definitely seen uh, uh, more electric bikes uh, as I'm kind of cruising in LA uh, and also in Manhattan. But I don't know how that's going to be, um, how that may positively impact. I think bike share for sure, just having more alternative like uh, modes of transit out on the road. Like if we're seeing bike share and cyclists, that I think will change a little bit of the culture. Uh, You know, it's just like the contrast of being in Manhattan and literally seeing cyclists everywhere compared to downtown LA it, it just really uh caught my eye and I, I've been away from the bike game for like six or seven months but it just really caught my eye uh be uh seeing that contrast like just having bikes there people are inherently like pedestrians are mindful of it uh and I think car culture is just slightly different in uh, Manhattan than it is here so yeah 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 when we come back uh, we'll talk about your your new job thanks for listening to the zag stay tuned 
All right, give us the scoop. Where's the new gig and what kind of work yeah, are you doing? Yeah, so I think I haven't like gone full blown like, yo, these are my new stripes, etc. all that. But I'm over at a organization called Empower Change, uh, where some grassroots uh, movement organization, we're probably one of the few digitally native Muslim advocacy orgs. Uh, so essentially, uh, I work remotely, but I end up traveling quite a bit Um we do a lot of digital advocacy work. So a lot of it comes down to doing mobilization, not only on Muslim specific issues. I mean, under this administration, you know, we're answering Muslim ban. Uh, we're doing some work on Muslim ban, uh, the air, like, you know, the Muslim ban uh, executive order, but also just to work uh, some work on Islamophobia, but really kind of identifying a voice for Muslims uh, in progressive left issues. So if it's around labor, immigration, uh, tax reform, some stuff that we're doing around uh, the FCC uh, and uh, the, um, some of the work around like the Sinclair Trump um, uh, monolith. Yeah. Media empire. So, but yeah. it's been. Go right ahead. So then, Sorry. I was, was going to ask, so then, so for folks that honestly know, digital advocacy, uh, the first picture in my mind is like you're just firing Marco targeted Facebook <laughs> ads at people. I'm sure that's not exactly. Oh, it is? Like, how would you yeah, define so what actually I that think, means? And I look to move on as a template for it of like creating a strong digital base. So, you know, there's kind of like a negative association with like the clicktivist uh, person, but there is a lot of um, like ability to mobilize around directed elected officials. So what we do is we identify specific campaigns, say if it's around immigration. I mean, I think California is a great example. We focused on SB 54, the California Values Act. Uh, because one, it fell within our ethos of progressive left issues. We wanted to, you know, we were really advocating for a sanctuary state. What we ended up doing is that, you know, there's a lot of immigration groups and immigration coalitions in the state of California pushing for this issue. What we wanted to do is have the Muslim voice in there as well, because there are Muslims that are immigrants, there are Muslims that are undocumented. Um, so what we did was, you know, just kind of pile on and create our narrative in that as well. Have a run a Muslim petition, engaging Muslim communities around these issues. So there, there's kind of this element of using digital work as a, a step in the progress of like political activism within the community. Um, and so that's a big, uh, we see that the digital advocacy of in terms of educating folks on the issue, making calls to electeds, driving petitions, fundraising, and even doing uh, like in-person mobilization around an issue uh, at, at like, you know, the digital sphere kind of answers that quite well. Uh, but it's not necessarily like the whole gamut of what like a, a good grassroots power building organization uh, should be doing, I guess. And then of the different techniques that you're using for this, which ones have you found to be the most effective or which ones have surprised you that have actually kind of fired uh, up? Yeah, the most people? I think um, I'm learning a lot of, you know, like having pretty clear information on what issues that like are impacting folks. And it's like, it kind of follows this really grassroots Marshall Gans type of organizing style. Tell the story of yourself, tell the story of us collectively and tell the story of that moment and what you can do to take action. So I think like, even for myself, I joined Empower and it was very clear to me to do work in the Muslim community after the elections. So like a, a, like a lot of folks were awoken by this idea that, you know, the outcomes were not what they had wanted. And within the Muslim community, it's this kind of same idea. Like, let's tell that story of the, the individual Muslim that may be an immigrant. Tell that story in collectively of how they relate to other immigrant groups. And then tell that kind of, uh, like, 
start painting the picture of what is it that we can do to take that action. I think it's been surprising uh, pleasantly to see Muslims uh, or to, for me to kind of unearth different Muslim leaders, different Muslim communities involved in issues um, or, you know, being able to relate and talk about and take action on issues that are beyond just, you know, uh, the traditional like Islamophobia um, kind of issue area. And then do you see future political candidates coming out of these kind of movements? Have people expressed interest in running for neighborhood councils or like local city council races in different parts of the... I think so within, uh, I think nationally for sure, um, there is from either coming from the indivisible side, um, from the empower side of who we're in touch with, there are a lot of folks that are choosing to run for local office. And, you know, we are keeping an eye on... Uh, some of those, you know, there's a uh, a man that's running for governor in Michigan. There's a few Muslims running for office on the East Coast in like the DMV, uh, the Virginia, uh, D.C. area. Um, so we see that, you know, that's definitely like a lever towards consolidating and uh, building a base and building some power. Um, and yeah, I hope that uh, answers that. Yeah. And are you still doing work on your own? Uh, you know, it's been council? a bit tangential for me, partly because I've been traveling quite a bit uh, since I've came on board uh, with Empower. Um, so I'm like, I try to stay committed as much as I can. But the reality is it's been a little difficult uh, on that side. But what I do find myself is going back to what I had um, been trained as, as an organizer, joining like traditional like power building organizations like there's... Um, uh, several different Muslim initiatives within the city. And then there's also these broader uh, networks like Ben the Ark or LA Voice um, that I find myself being a bit more active in. Yeah. And they mentioned at the beginning of the call, or the, beginning of the, the, the taping that you're in Koreatown. Uh, what's your take on all the development there? I, I know so many different projects are happening and especially at a neighbor council level, I'm sure you guys are seeing all of those and debating all of those. Like what's your, what's your take of what's, I think so the big question is affordability. Like I'm coming from the East Coast of density. I'm completely cool with it. But it's like, um, how do we make affordable living options uh, within the community? So like there's a an affordable unit that opened up right by the, the closest metro stop to me. So one, I live by a metro stop, Beverly and Vermont. And uh, there was, uh, it seems like a, uh, it was like an affordable unit that was built up there, which I know a ton of Bangladeshi immigrants had applied for in the lottery system and had gotten in. So I see that as um, promising. Uh, I think there's still a challenge of, you know, what is the identity of the city? Are we going to be like this kind of dense East Coast Gothic type of city where we have like, you know, multi-level housing options around public transit um, hubs? Uh, There's a part of my East Coast sensibilities that appreciates that. I think um, it makes things affordable uh, and gives incentive for uh, folks like kind of in my socioeconomic demographic to want to uh, kind of stay long-term in a city like this. Could you ever see a, a situation where pretty much the stretch from downtown and then going west on Wilshire out to Santa Monica becomes like a mini super dense New York kind of vibe? Because I feel like yeah. to some degree it's already there in certain parts of Wilshire. And then especially as you get closer to Century City and Westwood and those places, I feel like there's real opportunity there that if you could like get rid of parking minimums and, and just concentrate on that stretch only. Yeah. You could build a ton of housing. People have a ton of options to move around. Could you ever see, this city, see something like that happening? You know, I'd be remiss to say that I understand the politics here well enough to see that work. That would be kind of cool to see. 
Um, but it, like, there's also kind of this double edged thing for me, like, Hey, I'm down with like, you know, dense residential areas, but, uh, mixing a lot of kind of uh, the Wilshire corridor is hyper commercial. Uh, I think there's, um, uh, inherent, like, um, challenge, maybe challenges there. Cause it, like, uh, from like a transportation, if that becomes like a commercial only, uh, like a only commercial kind of transit artery. Um, where, like, how do folks access that, um, from places where they live, like East Hollywood's hyperventual where I used to live. And now I'm in Koreatown, which is a pretty good mix of like businesses and like, uh, like just kind of transit routes to downtown and some like, uh, housing, but it's just got a, like a slightly different vibe. And I wonder like, you know, what is kind of uh, transformation for the city look like, uh, balancing that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Any thoughts on the uh, California governor nothing, race? Uh, too in depth. No. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're looking ahead to 2020, what are you predicting will happen with progressive candidates? Who do you think would be most likely to run um, in 2020? Uh, that would be your support nationally or within the states. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, what's promising is I've been talking to, again, I find myself in California, but doing, having my eye always on the East coast in New York, uh, there's a push to, you know, really run at the local or at the city level, women of color in office. So I think this is like an interesting opportunity. It's not like anything's going to be handed to progressive minded, uh, like civic figures it's really we have to take this opportunity and kind of put the work in and grind and start thinking like what are the issues that are important to us who are the folks that you know we can align ourselves with and not really be like a kind of a victim to this tribal kind of election cycle that we had in 2016 i think there's a good opportunity in 2020 for that to happen um just based on some of the folks that i've connected with and even just going to like different conferences right like netroots uh this august was kind of like a like therapy session in one way where a lot of progressives were just like man like we got whopped and like let's kind of think what we have to do to go forward and the um for me the big takeaway was like yo we really have to break away from this kind of tribal identity politics and just get back into like identifying you know where common challenges that folks have and just that'll make it easier for us to strip away um some of the identity walls that we hide behind yeah, that's good advice. Uh, give the li- li- give the listeners one last plug on, on where oh, you work, awesome. and if there's anything so they can do to support I'm over you, at how can Empower they do it? Empower Change are we're probably most active on Facebook and Twitter. Empower underscore Change is our Twitter handle. Please follow us. Uh, we're doing some campaign work uh, that may folks may be interested in around the holidays. Around um, you know what, I'll hold just stay tuned on our Facebook page for some campaigns that we're working on. Um, and you know, many folks ask like, Hey, if you're not a Muslim, how can you get involved for us? Like, you know, we're, our thing is that we're Muslim based that's doing work on progressive center left issues. So we want like the supporting one to build community with whoever's out there, um, is down with us. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for everyone for listening to another episode of the Zag. You can catch all the episodes and there are a lot now, which is pretty awesome. You can find them in the iTunes store, Google Play, SoundCloud. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes next week and have a fantastic weekend.